0: Hey y'all, welcome to Geek Freaks, I am Frank, and today I'm joined by Thomas.
1: What's going on, everybody?
0: We're going to be talking about quite a bit today, including Unreal Engine's new moves with Fortnite, which is unbelievable, Marvel's big problem with Victoria Alonso, Uh, Shazam, and the situation going on over there that might be shaking DC at its roots. But let's get started with a question right out the box. Thomas, you know we, we as geeks we have an appreciation for tabletop games what is your favorite board game or tabletop game
1: i like how you said um we're gonna start with a question right out of the box because i was like that's so funny ah? <laughs> for, <laughs> for tabletop board games but uh yeah i i have to say settle settlers of Catan. yeah i'm going with that
0: but why is that like it's one that's mine too why is that like so good i, I can't really fully pick it
1: ah uh, because it's I mean, it has everything. It has, you know, these minerals that you have to get or items, but you're trying to get resources, but also team up with people, but also you mm-hmm. can double cross people. Uh, you know, it's it's a perfect game for me. I love it. It just takes so damn long.
0: It takes a long time. I think it's also just complex enough to where it's not like a board game that you had to play with kids, but also easy enough for new members to jump in and get involved with right away. It's
1: a good
2: when- point.
0: Some of these thick boys are like, okay, here's the book. I'll see you next month. Let's get started on this thing. Yeah, right. They're a little extensive. I like it. Too. And there's building factor too. I think building for some reason, for some of us kind of just triggers something. And yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Adult
1: Legos always works, man.
0: That's why Minecraft's a hit all these years later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am also a fan of D and D, which I started, uh, during the pandemic and we'll be starting a new campaign with a couple of the boys from the, the podcast network. Um, and basically, it's going to be a drink fest. We're going to be playing characters in between Oh. Uh, <laughs> the sign me up. I, I, want to, I want to join, too. We're doing it in person, Thomas. So you got to come up here every <sighs> month. All right. Just got to fly up to uh, NorCal. I'll be there. <laughs> I'm the DM, and I'm already, like, drawing maps and stuff like that and designing the story. I've been working on it for oh, a bit now. It's going nice. to be fun. <laughs> I'm thinking about getting, like, this is so stupid, but this is just how hardcore I go on everything. I'm thinking about getting, like, panels that look like dungeon walls for the for the dining room so we can go full on like dungeon <laughs> master
1: epic it's gonna you're gonna feel like you're in a lair it's gonna be yeah. great
0: <laughs> uh over on twitter we asked this question we had Jay hall who says uh we're real big fans of ticket to ride at my house i've seen this box have you played ticket to ride before no i don't think i've heard of it yeah he says that uh it's simple enough for anyone to play but has plenty of strategy for those who like to go hard on it I, I have seen it, but I haven't gotten my hands on it yet. i will have to check that out. I'm definitely checking that out. Yeah. Uh, we have one of our podcast friends mentioned, uh, Killing Missing Killin Missin Hidden Podcast. True crime podcast, so I'm a fan already. Uh, they mm-hmm. said, Legendary Marvel. I love it. An impossible number of configurations to play. I pulled this game up. I've never even seen this before, but on the cover has like OG Avengers with Wolverine and um, Iron Man and, and Spider-Man in it, so super dope. But yeah, this looks dope. I have to check this thing out. 600 cards in there, all kinds of different variations.
1: Wow. Sign me up. That sounds like right out of my alley. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And then um, Grim Tales, they said shoots and ladders. So you can't go wrong with shoots and ladders. It's classic.
1: (laughs) Classic. There you go. Yeah. I could have been
0: like Candyland. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, let us know, guys. We do a question every week over on our Twitter account. Go over there and get your response in or read it on the podcast as well. This episode is brought to you by our Patreon. Uh, This week we have a brand new From the Pages coming out over for our Patreon. It is Patreon and BitKid exclusive. It's going to be all about the Dark Saber. You know it's going to be important in The Mandalorian. You might as well learn about its history. Let's get started with the news. First up, we're getting a video game adaptation of The Last Ronin. It's a TMNT story. It's a graphic novel. It's getting developed. Now, they're saying this is going to be like God of War. Have you heard about The Last Ronin before?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. As soon as that graphic novel came out, I mean, there was mystery around who was the last Ronin out of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, yeah, I think that was big news. Was it last year or like two years ago? can't remember.
0: Yeah, who was? It's so funny. There was such a big mystery about it that when I'm writing the article about the game, I was like, should I type the name? Yeah, yeah. And so for like the social media posts, I didn't say who it was, but in the article I say like, you know, today, right now, I'm not even saying his name because I don't feel comfortable saying because it was such a big deal. That is, I mean,
1: like that is kind of the whole point of, maybe not the whole point, but that's a big mystery as to who is the last remaining turtle out of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, yeah,
0: yeah, that reveal is the whole thing. Yeah, so guys, check that out. Uh, I'll put a link in the description. We're going to put links in the description to all our recommendations. And some of the things we're talking about, I already shared this one on social media. I'll share it again. The last Ronin, the important thing is figuring out who it is. One of the important things and how their personalities changed over time, which I think is really cool. Next, the Daniels from everything, everywhere, all at once. They're just monsters right now. They're joining for an episode of the Skeleton Crew. Interesting fact here, the show's already shot. So I think this is going to be a filler episode they're filming. I mean, it's weird.
1: Interesting. I'm yeah. excited about it. I love the Daniels. I'm so pumped for you know, everything they won, for everything everywhere all at once. And uh having them in Star Wars, pff, hell
0: yes. The no brainer right there. And skeleton crew itself looks good. I mean they keep saying it's like, oh yeah, it's like a Spielberg, the Goonies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just take my money then. I'm here. <laughs> right.
1: All the buzzwords.
0: Yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel is officially underway. They released a set photo. Um the code name for this thing is Firehouse. I think that makes a dope ass name for Ghostbusters, like Ghostbusters Firehouse.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Hey, so many mysteries. Awesome name. Uh, I'm sure they're gonna do a great job because the last movie's really good.
0: Yeah. They're filming it in the UK, but they're gonna it's gonna be centered around the New York Firehouse, which is a real place. So I think they're recreating it in the UK. Ooh, that's awesome. I wanna go to the UK. Maybe this will be a reason. If you guys want to invite me to your set, I would be okay with that, by the way. I'll, I'll go pub. Hop in and then come visit the set.
1: (laughs) There you go. Get some (laughs) Boddingtons. There
0: you go. Uh, John Spatz to to write the uh, Netflix adaptation of Gears of War. Uh, So far, it sounds like they're going to be following the first game. We don't have a lot of casting for this. I think it's Dave Bautista that's really pushing big on this. But, um, I mean, Gears of War is such a perfect story to tell for Netflix. I mean, super binge-worthy, big special effects. I can't wait for this thing. We have Valve is confirming Counter-Strike 2 is coming this summer, 2023, and is a massive upgrade technically. One thing I really like they're doing is because like Counter-Strike fans have been playing Counter-Strike for over 10, maybe 20 years, and mm-hmm. the, the maps they love the most, they're making almost no changes to. And the maps they play the least, they're doing full reworks on. So it's kind of like, we're not going to mess up anything you love, and we're only going to improve the things you're not fans of. I think that's a smart move all, all around.
1: Yeah, super smart. Makes total sense.
0: Yeah. Next, Apple is investing $1 billion a year into releasing movies into theaters. What, why are they doing this? What do you think?
1: I think it's a smart move. I mean, there's still money to be had at the movie theaters right now, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. have Creed that's making a ton of money. You have Cocaine Bear that's making a ton of money. Uh, uh, unless you're DC, you're probably not making a ton of money, but you know, there's still opportunity and they're still leaving money on the table by just putting it to streaming. Yeah. Having a theatrical release seems like, okay, we can make the money. And then at the end of the day, we're going to bring them to the streaming service. If they don't go to the theaters and we'll make our money there. It, it seems like a no brainer.
0: I think there's an advertising as- aspect to it as well. Like cocaine bear in theaters to me sounded fun. Just saying this like wacky something i totally could have waited probably a month and watch at home but just that movie in theaters i think sounded cool so if, if apple plans on doing i know for one of the movies they're talking about is like a um, crime drama which i could have sworn was already released on apple but it's a martin scorsese leonardo dicaprio crime drama where it's like takes place and it's an old detective noir that's what I'm, the word i'm looking for that does look like a good cinematic masterpiece that might do better by advertising that effect so hopefully Absolutely. that's That's where they're going to use it. I mean,
1: you say Scorsese and Leonardo DiCaprio, and you're probably going to get some butts and some seats, right? Like that's, it seems awesome. I Yeah, i definitely want to see it. I mean, even John Wick, like that seems like it's going to bring a ton of people to the theater. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and I've seen, uh, you know, them at home, but getting to hear it with like the crazy sound and a massive screen and seeing John Wick, like double tap people is going to be amazing on a massive theater screen. Right.
0: I forgot when that movie, when the first genre came out, how big of a deal it was. The fact that he was double tapping people it was like, it's so real. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't see who's like, reloading doing that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Most movies that when I grew up, like, the, you know, they had like a basic pistol and had like a hundred bullets in it. You're like, okay, <laughs> cool. I guess they never need to reload. That's, that's a thing.
0: And now I'm so cynical that I count the bullets. I always do it now when I watch a movie. Where I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm like seven, eight, okay, this gun's past eight now, okay, you know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what's happening? Um, but yeah, hopefully, this is a, a sign for that. We know Amazon's doing the same thing. They're going to be paying for movies to go to theaters. Hopefully, it's a new way to uh, revitalize the theater business. One of the big stories I want to talk about is you, and me, of course, we cover The Mandalorian over on Challenge Accepted. Link in the descriptions, guys, follow us over there. We also talk about it every Wednesday night. Uh, which I think we're going to expand on that. I haven't brought that up to you yet, but I think we could expand on that. <laughs> oh, surprise. <laughs> that, and I'm dead. That down. reminds me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, The Mandalorian Season 3, they brought back a very special character. This is going to be a spoiler for the latest episode. So, if you guys don't want spoilers, tune out now. We already have your listen. Uh, they brought back Ahmad Best as Kellerin Beck. The great thing about this character is he's the one that saved. Uh, Grogu or Baby Yoda. Can you kind of explain who this character is and why he's so important?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's really cool. So, Ahmad Best got his start playing Jar Jar Binks in The Clone Wars. Uh, You know, love him or hate Jar Jar, uh, he didn't get a good rep. Uh, I, I didn't mind it. I remember watching that movie as a kid and thinking it was silly, but it was very Star Wars to me. And maybe I remember remembering it more fondly than when I first watched it. But, uh, he got a lot of, um, crap for it to the yeah. point where, you know, he didn't really, he was really struggling mentally and it really affected his emotions and everything. And, uh, you know, he, it took a long time for him to kind of get out of this state of this hate and this mindset from, you know, people heckling him. So he then was brought back for Kelleron Beck in uh, a kid series. Do you remember what that kid series was called?
0: Jedi Temple Challenge, I think. Jedi- I, I yes. just watched it, but I can't remember the name.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we just talked about this too. And the show was, uh, yeah, kind of like, what was it? Hidden Temple on It's Nickelodeon. a lot like Hidden
0: Temple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So it was like Hidden Temple, but for Star Wars and for kids that could become go from Padawan to Jedi and you got to check it out. It's cool. It's online. It's going around everywhere right now, but you know, that was a little bit of his redemption. And then he played Keller on Beck in that show. Now, boom, they bring him into the live action Star Wars canon as Keller on Beck. And he is the one that pops open as the elevator doors open. Boom. He's there, grabs a lightsaber, saves Grogu and just a beautiful redemption story in real life. And then also for this character, you know, who, arguably could be so much bigger in the main Star Wars universe. It's so cool.
0: I mean, yeah, where they left off with him, they're going to be off on an adventure. This could be a spinoff. This could be a video game. So many things. They could, they could run into Bad Batch because it's about the right time for Bad Batch, Oh yeah, which is releasing new episodes now. So, I mean, if Star Wars wanted, oh, God damn it. If Star Wars wanted to blow it out <laughs> of the water, because Bad yeah. Batch is releasing right now as well, the next episode of Bad Batch, they run into Kaloran. How cool would that be?
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, Ahsoka's there. uh, You know, what if he runs into Kanan and Ezra Bridger? I mean, yeah. there's like so many opportunities to move forward with this character. It's, yeah, I'm stoked for him. It's just a cool story in real life. And then for Filoni and Favreau to say, hey, this guy yeah. didn't deserve all of that, what he got in the past. And then now to be like, you're the one that saved Grogu. You're the one who saved the most adorable creature we've gotten Star Wars in a long time, other than the N'Zellens. But uh either way, still, like everybody loves baby Grogu. Such an awesome move. I, I really seconded that
0: yeah it's like such a place of honor you saved a fan favorite character and i mean like let's be honest on his own the guy's wielding two different color lightsabers he is a full-on yeah. badass his road's got like gold on it gold and we see that oh yeah he's one of the instructors for the kids like he's and his job oh man I, I re-watched that episode uh last night and i didn't catch it the first time but when he gets to the naboo ship that's going to save them and they ask where are the others and he says there are no others the idea was he was going to save as many kids as possible and he could only save Grogu, which is like, Oh, oh man, that's heartbreaking. You know, damn, wow.
1: that is a good pickup. I didn't even think about that. You just yeah. like blew my mind all over again with that episode. And I love, I love that episode. So yeah.
0: Yeah. Oof. So the ship was fully fueled, which means that they planned This is a planned thing to save those kids earlier than thing going. So something's there. Plus there's so many questions, right? Cause it's Naboo. So mm-hmm. Palpatine who just initiated everything order 66, did he have anything to do with that ship being there?
1: Right. That's a good point. I, I, there was also somebody online that was saying maybe it was still Jar Jar that saved them because we've talked about it. Who were the senators on Naboo? And it was oh, yeah. Padme or Queen Amidala. There was... Um, oh my God,
0: the feels <laughs> right now. Yeah, But
1: there was also Jar Jar, right? And yeah. he might've been there. And he also would have been sympathetic to the Jedi because they had he had so many interactions with them. So maybe yeah. he was the one that said... Uh, sent the ship so Jar Jar did save Grogu in a way you know if that's the whole thing so the online rumors could actually be true but just not in the way we were thinking about it it's kind of cool I yeah I'm stoked oh man so happy for that guy i best and uh, I'm really s- excited to see what they do with killer on back
0: during our Twitter spaces by, by the way guys we dived into the history or the uh, ending of Jar Jar Binks story and it is heartbreaking and uh we're not going to share it here. You had to listen to the live stream for that. And the recording's still available. But it was heartbreaking, yeah. man.
1: It so, was so thanks. sad. But yeah, absolutely. Join us every Wednesday. Come in and chat. We want to hear what you guys think. We want to hear your theories. And uh, yeah, it's a space for you guys to chat with us.
0: Yeah. One of the things I, I realized this last time watching The Mandalorian, the newest episode, knowing that Ragnar is now Paz Vizsla's son means that first scene we got from this season is so much more impactful because he's, go, he's taking the oath. Uh, ragnar is it is the last time paz will ever see his son's face wow how much that must hit you as a father like holy cow that's gotta that's be that's
1: crazy it also makes sense why there's that scene where they just focus on paz and it kind of lingers there for a second yeah you know and you're like oh okay damn you saying that though blew my mind because you're right that's like a mandalorian thing it, like it's you're probably proud because it's a rite of passage, but also, right. yeah, you're never gonna see your child's face again. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. I don't God. know. Could never be a child of the watch. I'm just saying. I, yeah, I could my helmet would be <laughs> off all the time. Be like, as soon as I could go out on my own, I'd be like, what's up, everybody? I'll be using it for like a bowl of cereal or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like helmets off, man.
0: At best on the armor. At best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What can we learn before we leave on the Mandalorian? I want to make sure to say this real quick. Ahmed Best you know, he went through a lot of mental strain after after the release of of the prequels and everybody really dogging on on uh, Jar Jar Binks. He had a hell of a mental strain with that and really had to struggle with it. I think one thing we can learn from Ahmed Best, like it's so wonderful is getting this redemption arc. There are countless others who don't get that redemption arc. And so when we're talking smack, which is fun to do, I don't blame you. We mm-hmm. need to not keep it. We need to keep it character based, not personal based. And so just keep that in mind, guys. I know we oftentimes will like to kind of poke fun at things. It's what we do, you know, but just kind of remember that there are people behind the rules. And I think that's something important that we can learn from Ahmed best right now while we're talking about him again. And so keep that in mind. Yeah. Well said. Uh, let's move on to Fortnite. Are you a Fortnite player? I am not,
1: but uh, I've always wanted to get into it. They always yeah. do the best collaborations and bring in the coolest characters. I mean, they yeah. had, you know, uh, I don't know, cap or the Mandalorian with a Captain America shield and Thor's hammer and all. I'm like, what? that looks so dope. So, uh, I have not, I've only played it at like cousins houses, but I, I don't play it myself. What about you?
0: I, it's so crazy. I, was, I keep telling John, this is like, there's one point where I was Batman using Spider-Man's web shooters, something that should never happen. <laughs> that's what I was doing. Um, it is really cool. So here's the big news that's coming out right now. And I don't think people fully understand the possibilities of this thing. So Fortnite's creative mode, which is this thing where you can basically create game modes or whatever little games within it. And honestly, like if the kids are, when kids are playing Fortnite, 99% of the time it's this, it's not the actual main game. They're playing in creative. Mm. It's how Roblox is popular too. It's the same thing. It's all about the creative side of things. They're adding the actual unreal engine editor into Fortnite creative 2.0. Meaning you can't just add Fortnite or you can Add Fortnite assets to whatever you're building, or any other video game development tools used by Unreal Engine editor. It's so some of the things we've seen insane. are are unheard of. You're like, this is Fortnite, but it looks like God of War with right. the same texture package and just like insane details. The sky is a limit. And I can't. I can't believe how much this is such a big deal and nobody's talking about it. Not enough people are talking about it.
1: Right. I I saw a video. It popped up on TikTok and they're like, this is what Unreal Engine can do. And then it went into the Fortnite thing. And there's like all new settings where you have to escape a space room or something in Fortnite. Yeah. There is, you know, there's like this massive dragon that's going. And this doesn't look like like Fortnite. It looks yeah. so good, and and uh, just the graphics were insane, and these modes that people are creating and the modes that they're bringing to it, dude, it looks insane. I'm like already <laughs> signed up. Like I, I'm, I haven't actually done it, but mentally, I'm there. I'm ready to play it.
0: If I were to design a video game at this point, I might start with Fortnite Editor just because, or Fortnite Creative is what it's called, um, just because it's so much more user-friendly, master that, then take it to the Unreal Editor and actually develop a game on my own, but think about what, like Fortnite creative is giving you all the tools you'll get if you could just straight up make a game in Unreal, which is one of the most popular engines in video game creation, and just giving you like a stick figure you can work with. It's your, your Fortnite character. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's, some of the things I've seen have been just, yeah, like the dragon thing. I've seen the dragon thing too, where I'm like, yeah. if you were to tell me that's a brand new AAA game coming out later in 2025, I'd believe you, but somehow it's created in Fortnite. It's just unreal.
1: Right, and yeah. I don't know if you saw it in this example too, but uh, they had Thor. Like the character they were using <laughs> was Thor going through, and then there's this massive dragon. I'm like, can you imagine being Thor and having Mjolnir, and then creating whatever monsters you want to fight, all the ice giants you want to fight, uh, you know, wherever you want to do it? I mean, it's just it's really freaking cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a fan already.
0: I think this makes the game nearly infinite because if they're able to add. Anything a game could make, in, essentially, into their game, I mean, you can go forever on that. There's, It's not being held back by anything anymore. Right. And I think with like some AI implementation where you can kind of have things automatically generated for you a little bit, might just, mm-hmm. I mean, Fortnite might not be stopped. There's something yeah. huge for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Could could go on forever. And it really does lead the door open for wh- whatever people's imaginations can come up with. And that's cool. I think that that really puts the power in people's hands. It's like if you had TikTok, but you had all the tools of Adobe Premiere, you could just throw it yeah. in there and like, hey, okay, make whatever you want, kids, which, I mean, we've seen with a little bit of technology and with a little bit of imagination, that's how all these apps blow up. I think it's mm-hmm. only going to further the reach of Fortnite. And some of the games people are going to come up with are far beyond any like major developer could think of right now. It's going to be so cool. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it was a good move. Very exciting.
0: Speaking of, this is not in the notes, of course, but uh, did you see the Hellblade Senua dis- uh, thing they did where they showed the motion cap for that? <laughs> it's <seemed> like, <laughs> yes Damn.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah where it was like this girl she was making these reactions she's like i'm scared i'm sad or whatever and then it was like instantly like they were able to translate it into unreal engine into a character yeah and it looked like god of war level like you were talking about. dude yes it, yeah. and, they, and they captured it on an iphone Isn't that was that the nuts? other part <laughs> yeah she was like and they had this big auditorium They, you know they're showing everybody what you know doing the it all live. you could do. <laughs> yeah, doing it all live, and they're capturing an iPhone, and then boom, translate it into a character on stage that looks absolutely incredible and detailed. This is this is the next level of gaming.
0: It's so exciting to be at this president's too. And then we take the stories that we already know, like continuing the Last of Us or whatever, into that kind of motion cap with the face, where mm-hmm. you can get like Bella Ramsey's extremely amazing uh, presence on screen. Put that into game. I mean. It's the best of storytelling amplified somehow. It's amazing. Absolutely. I question on that though. Do
1: you think because of the success of the last of Us show, do you think they put Bella Ramsey's face and then redo it for like, they put her face in the last of us part one.
0: I, I I don't think they will. There's mods to do it already. People already have Mm -hmm. Pedro Pascal and Bella in there, but um, nice. You know what? (laughs) I wouldn't mind there being just a random setting though. How fun would Mm -hmm. that be? That'd be fun for like for the number three or the remake.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The only reason I was throwing it out there is because they did that for Spider-Man, right? Yeah. In the Spider-Man game, they changed it. So he looked more like Tom Holland and some people were not stoked about it. And some people were like, oh, They ended up getting a whole
0: new actor. I don't think it was for Tom. Was it for Tom Holland? Because I don't remember him looking too much.
1: I don't know if it was for but I, I definitely they definitely think they considered hey does this actor look like tom holland or not because there was a lot of people that were like he looks pretty much (laughs) like tom holland now and i know why they did that
0: now that you say that the old actor looked a lot like andrew garfield yeah Mm -hmm. Uh all right we get your (laughs) by the way i posted how much i'm like oh i love the miles morales action figures that are coming out from marvel legends and somebody who was i guess a leaker i don't have to look into it like, oh, you'll be getting his, your hands on him pretty soon. Somewhere in May something or whatever. Like, there might be in a May oh. release. So, I'll have to look into that person. I don't know if they're full of shit or whatever. But, hey, that would be awesome. That's My gonna wife's already going to be me. mad at
1: me because I'm, I'm definitely buying it. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get ready. We're going to be streaming that. Um, moving on to more Marvel news. Now, I've got to give full props to Thomas here, guys. I read geek news every single morning and somehow miss this gigantic thing. Marvel President Victoria Alonzo was fired amid visual effects, criticism, and then kind of shaking things up for Phase 5. Can you break down what's going on with this? Because, again, you're the one that woke me up to this whole story.
1: Yeah, so... Major Marvel executive, and I want to say president of VFX, Victoria yeah. Alonzo was just let go from Marvel. She's been with them for about 17 years, I believe, and mm-hmm. she was already a part of the team, the you know Marvel Cinematic Universe, or Marvel Studios, anyway, uh, since before Iron Man. So yeah. she helped to work on Iron Man, I mean, all the way up until, what was the last movie? Ant-Man, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was just recently let go because... She was said to be working on a different movie and I'm trying to think of what it was like Amsterdam 1985 or 65 or I don't know. I wasn't familiar with the movie. It it was
0: Uh, Argentina 1985. Okay. It was the movie she was working on.
1: Sounds perfect. Okay. Yeah. Way off. I don't even know what I said, but it wasn't that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So she was unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, we'll find out more details. Let go from Marvel. Um, they mm-hmm. said it was because she was working for a conflicting studio, which breached her contract. She has now since filed a lawsuit against Marvel, or I want to say Disney. It's one of the two. Um, I'm sure if you file a lawsuit against Marvel Studios, you're then filing it against Disney, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A bunch of things have come out since one being that she was very tough to work with Uh, a counter argument has come out from a large person who works at a major publication that says that was not true. Uh, so there's a bunch of drama coming out, um, people online and, and maybe some of you who are listening, I have thought, yes, this is a good thing because Marvel's quality has gone down in visuals. Uh, you know, we can't say it's all because of her, or maybe some people can say it's all because of her. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of little pieces of drama that have come out because of this. So yeah, a really interesting news. I don't know. We'll see what happens.
0: It's tough because, yeah, I think on the, on the surface, my reaction as well was like, good riddance because man, Ant-Man was bad visually mm-hmm. and other reasons. But, uh, when you compare it to like, Iron Man 1 was so stunning. You're like, well, yeah, she lost her way. That's not fully her fault. And I think industry wide, we're seeing a lack of. We, we were just talking about how great the visuals were in Dark Knight Rises. Compare that to the recent Batman. She doesn't work on Batman. But compare that, not to Batman, but like, you know, all the Justice League movies and stuff like that. I would say that Dark Knight Rises CGI, while there's less of it, it's still far better than what we got from any of the Justice League stuff, Zack Snyder stuff. Right. So it's an industry wide thing. I don't know if it's just her. Hard to blame her for that. Yeah, that's
1: true. But in a world where you're getting, you know, and I think I use this example too, in a world where you're getting Avatar The Way of Water, where the visuals are absolutely stunning and everything is incredible and it looks so real, you know, and then you, you do compare it to an Ant-Man, you know, whether it's fair or not. I mean, you can't yeah. help but do it watching as many movies as we do. Yeah. You're like, why doesn't this like meet this level, you know, or not maybe not avatar but you know some of the previous works of the MCU. Like even the Avengers, I've gone back and watched the Avengers recently, and the way Hulk looks in that compared to the way Hulk looks in She-Hulk, it's like not oh, yeah. the same level. It's super weird. So, I think that there is a little bit of a quality issue just personally. Uh I don't know if that's because of her. You know, we we can't say, but something if that's your job, if that's your department, you're in charge of that. And it, that quality is not meeting some, you have to take some degree of blame, I think. And, uh, you know, it could be a good thing, but who knows if she was fairly fired or unfairly fired. I think as this lawsuit goes on, we're going to hear a lot more behind the scenes details.
0: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of stuff's coming out right now. She's starting to say other things too, about the studio. Right. And just like everything, we don't know who to believe and We probably shouldn't take sides necessarily just let it all get flushed out so that the truth comes to the top. Mm-hmm. That's tough to do, but you know, cause we are so heavily invested in the MCU and know what happens at Marvel. Um, it is Disney that she's going after, not just Marvel. She's actually going after Disney itself. Um, Got because it, it was Alan. With Bob.
1: Oh, sorry. Go for it.
0: It was yeah, Alan, Alan Bergman. Who's one of the co-chairs is the one that said fire her. So he's the one that actually gave uh, the order. Yeah. Not Kevin. Kevin Feige actually wasn't at told at all about this. So
1: yeah, that also seems a little if you know what, I mean, yeah say what you want about the mcu but everybody who's ever worked with kevin feige or has met him says he's an amazing guy super incredible Mm -hmm. but i mean he's even uh you know when they fired james gunn he was like that was a bad move which was interesting it's it's crazy that he oversees everything and that you could fire one of his employees without letting him know that just doesn't seem like good business etiquette to me
0: well especially since you guys give him full reign over creative so why would you not let him have some of the control over business as well. It affects creative. So it's weird that, yeah, they would like, let go of say your visual effects artist when you're ramping up on two Avengers movies coming up soon. You know, that's something you're going to need to need to have control over.
1: I wonder if that's also why we've gotten, you know, a lot of the Disney plus shows had dates for their release and now Mm -hmm. just say coming soon. I wonder if that has affected all of those plus, you know, I wonder if this is going to affect the whole timeline of when movies and shows come out because, uh, You know, I don't know who steers that ship. I'm I'm sure there's a lot of talented people that work at Marvel's VFX that could take that role and kind of maybe understand it better, like of what the artists are asking for. But uh, that's a huge shift. I mean, that's, you know, almost two decades of, of leadership that is now gone from that department. So really interesting.
0: One of the things we've learned recently is that they're going to be bringing all visual effects under their house because they do have their own visual effects thing, but they hire out for a lot of it. And so apparently, they're bringing it all in house to create Marvel CGI or Marvel visual effects, whatever you call And And um, that might be another reason to kind of like, hey, this is a good time to clean house when we're going to bring in. Hopefully, they're bringing whoever does it on, like, I have to keep bringing it up, The Mandalorian. Because yeah. sometimes I'm just like, even like this whole dragon fight they had, they made sure to make it fast and quick pace so that you didn't pay attention to the CGI, mm. but it looks really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think. You're right. I think the Mandalorian is killing it as far as visuals go. Except for Baby Yoda jumping. That but, jump. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I mean it all it, it's been looking pretty good this season. So if you're not watching the Mandalorian, I still I mean I highly recommend it just for yeah. the visuals and the action because it's been badass.
0: Yeah, this last one too is like 30 minutes. It's like a perfect intro. It's just just for fun, you know, it's nothing too big. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's go over to Shazam. Okay, so we're gonna have your Shazam review. Do you want to do the review first and talk about the flop or do you want to go flop first, talk about the review?
1: Uh, let's go review first, because okay. I think the flop, it, sadly enough, might be the more interesting story than the actual story of the movie.
0: Isn't that a shame? Yeah, I know. And and so you saw Shazam. And from what I'm understanding, it's not that bad.
1: I I really didn't think it was that bad of a movie. I, mm-hmm. I went into it with, with pretty low expectations. I was like, I want to see school action. I want to laugh and check both of those boxes. Like it was a fun ride. Um, I could see what people were saying. Like it didn't quite have the heart of the first movie, but I, I think that the outside news really did affect, you know, drawing people to the movies that watch it. Uh, You know, it brings back. Billy Batson and Zachary Levi who plays Shazam. Uh, It's really cool to see the family dynamic and more of the Shazam family working together. There's like a really cool action scene in the beginning where they have to save all these people from a broken bridge. And all of that seems awesome. Towards the end, they take away all their powers and there's all these enemies running around like monsters running around. And I thought that would be a really cool scene to have, more of the Shazam family help out again, but they don't do that. So I felt mm. like that was kind of a miss. Uh, the they have these really badass actors for the sister or the daughters of Atlas, who are the main villains right. of this movie. You got Lucy Liu, Helen Mirren, Rachel Ziegler, and you're like, it's okay, stellar. they have this massive. What's that? <laughs>
0: That's such a stellar casting right there. That's the oh, powerhouses. Yeah, absolutely. But then
1: it doesn't seem like they do anything with them. Like they really oh, are. Wow. I feel like they could have made their story better. And I don't know. I'm not a writer. I don't know what they could have done better. But it just felt like they were a little bit wasted. And it didn't quite have a connection to the actual main character of the story. Uh, it all kind of goes back to the first movie where they use that staff, uh Shazam, the wizard staff. They break it right. Apparently, Billy drops it off somewhere. And then it ends up in Rome or Greece. Mm-hmm. And the Sisters of Atlas go there for the staff. Now, for some reason, they end up in Philadelphia, I guess, to get the Shazam family's powers. But it doesn't feel like there's any like, actual connection or purpose for th- there's no personal, uh, what is it, tension that goes on between them. So it's really interesting that they chose them
0: for an enemy and the way they set it up. Uh, and I don't know. What is, the their, main- what is their end goal? Like, what's the urgency of the movie? Like, what are they going for? You know, and that's a problem.
1: Like, I can't really even tell you. I, I know mm-hmm. that they have this big battle between them and they're trying to take their powers, I guess. But I don't really know why. And they have this apple that's trying to grow this plant <laughs> in the middle of the stadium, which it's cool to see Philadelphia highlighted. Like, I don't feel like it's a, it's a city that gets highlighted on the big screen a lot. So I did like that. But I don't really know why they're doing any of these things. And so that's automatically a problem the main character doesn't feel like Shazam to me. It feels like the brother, Freddie. Um, he's the kid that has the crutch and yeah. he's a standout in this movie. Uh, he's so funny. I wanted to see his Shazam character more, uh, mm-hmm. but he feels more of the main character than Billy Batson in it to me.
0: I remember the advertising for the first movie was that way where it felt like Freddie was the main character. Cause he is the one wisecracking everything. Right. And uh, I almost was like, wait, was he the one that was going to get the, is he Billy Batson in this? Well, I remember from the first ads, Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't mind them making up a bigger character, but man, yeah, you can't be overshadowing (laughs) Shazam. Right. Yeah. And the main character,
1: I mean, the kid who plays Billy Batson, I think his name is Asher Angel. He's a Mm -hmm. stellar actor. Like he's really good. And the scenes where they let him, you know, be the emotional kid, um, he's so damn good in it, but he just doesn't get a lot of those scenes because you have Zachary Levi and everybody wants to see Shazam. So I don't know. I almost feel like this movie was marketed incorrectly. And I I also want to say, like, I think that they needed a little bit more time with, with the kids to be kids so that when, you know, they, when Shazam pops up, you're like, Oh, okay. Like this, it feels like him. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was kind of an issue I had with the first movie where, you know, Zachary Levi didn't feel like Asher Angel as a kid. It felt like two different people. Uh, but, you know, I, I almost want more time for the family to be the family. So when you get these big dramatic moments, it hits harder. I don't know. And then you get this fake out at the end with Wonder Woman. And, should and, we spoil uh, that? Oh, shoot. Sorry. No, that- should we spoil what happens? Uh, I mean, it's been out for a couple of weeks. And I think if you haven't seen it by now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think not- I'm waiting <laughs> for HBO Max anyway. So go for it. might be. Yeah. Can we put a spoiler <laughs> warning before this? Maybe. I'll do it right now, guys. Spoiler warning pause skip forward two 30 second jumps boom boom go ahead
1: right okay so he sacrifices himself at the end uh you know the shazam we we know Zachary oh, Levi, shit. and he basically they need the staff to awaken him but you need a god you need the power of a god to awaken him and then who shows up De-de-de-de-de. the wonder woman comes in she grabs the staff music. Boom. Yeah. Right. The, the, uh, Zack Snyder music for, but it was like pops, you know, slams into the ground. Uh, he awakens, busts out of the dirt family hug and he's like, Oh, what's up Wonder Woman? Because the whole movie, he's like, man, I wonder if Wonder Woman will go on a date with me. I wonder if she'll go on a date with me. So like you kind of get that at the end and you see her and basically you're like, Oh, it's just, I'm going to join the justice league. And boom, that's fake out one. It's basically, no, she's not going to date him. And then she just leaves. <laughs> so you're like, okay, we've gotten Henry Cavill at the end of a movie recently. We've gotten Wonder Woman. We know we're getting Ben Affleck's Batman at the end of or in Flash. So you're like, okay, is the Snyder, uh, verse still alive or is it not? She she leaves, and then the next scene is, uh, basically the two agents from Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's the the larger guy who super funny was talking about yeah. bears and stuff, and then it's James Gunn's wife, and I'm sorry I don't know either of those actors' names off the top of my head. But you know, and they're basically inviting him to the JSA, but not the JSA. It's themselves. You know, it's not Hawkman, it's not Cyclone, it's not Adam, it's not so Dr. Peacemaker
0: Fate. group, basically. Right. So I wonder if that's gonna be a new series on HBO Max, is like JSA that version because i know that they're saying like they want to do oh no they're gonna do the amanda waller series man right. what what's going on with dc are we not just scrapping this all yet like because i know some of the peacemaker stuff still moving forward obviously it's you know someone's baby yep. um and now, I yeah, now well. you have them tied together yeah I, I like that a lot um yeah did the wonder woman stuff feel warranted like was she i know that they're teasing oh she'll be here but like I, and i know that like she's a greek god kind of thing like she has interactions with them did it feel warranted that she would be in this movie at all?
1: Uh, I mean, not really, I, oh, you know, man. other than,
0: other than it kind of
1: filled the button of a joke that was going on through the whole movie. N- not really. If it, it, it felt button. very confusing and out of place, but we yeah. also get a, a teaser of Dr. Savannah with a Mr. Mind that worm. So yeah. I think that's what his name is. I might be wrong. Um, But yeah, it just feels so weird. And you're like, what are we doing with this franchise? It, Sadly, you know, it's a victim of, I I think, you know, the announcement of DC's being reset and we're not moving forward with some of this stuff in the past. I, I don't think black Adam would have helped it, but it mm-hmm. definitely wouldn't have hurt this movie. You know, with, yeah. if black Adam had had, you know, a teaser that he was going to meet Shazam and as cool as it was to have Henry Cavill back, if it was Shazam that popped up, I think the hype would have been way bigger, you know? Um, so, It just felt so out of place. It's really, yeah, it was really strange for me.
0: Let's talk about that now because this movie didn't perform well in the first week and now it feels like everybody's on. This is why it happened mode. Nobody more than Levi himself. (laughs) And so there's this, the rap uh, did an article explaining that Shazam was supposed to be the cameo at the end of black, black Adam, which makes sense and uh, it was the rock himself said, no, he, we seen him do this. And again, on, on Game Freaks, we celebrated when he would do this because at the time DC was so aimless. So we're like, it's at least somebody making calls. Right. Um, he went around the boss's head said, no, I want Henry Cavill instead. We're going to make this universe all about Black Adam versus Superman. And do you think that ha- would have had a negative? There's so many facets to that. Do you think that would have a, a better impact on Shazam if he was there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Or yeah, on Black Adam, if Shazam was there, it just makes more sense. You know, I I think we've Mm -hmm. talked about it on a different show or or might have said this somewhere else, but it's like it's like having, um, you know, Magneto in a universe fight. uh, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of a villain, like Red Skull instead of like Captain America fighting Red Skull. You're like, why? Like, it's cool. (laughs) I want to see that. But it's like, no, like talk about the main villains, you know, or like how the main villain and hero fight each other. So it was so weird. Um, I I did like it, but also like I thought the Snyder universe is done. I, I think it just would have helped the movie. I, I don't think it would have hurt it in any way, having Shazam there because now you have a lead in for Shazam where you're like, Oh, is black Adam going to show up? Like I know he's fighting yeah. the and have of him show up <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And even a little end credit scene where they meet again, or maybe it's the end credit scene from black Adam would have been way more hype and way more, of a reason to see this because it all ties together. It just feels like it's so scattered and jumbled and there's no connectivity in this DCU. I'm so happy for the reset. It's just like, it's just a weird choice.
0: I'm thinking now me not knowing any of the Shazam movie story. This is how I would do it. And this is how they would do it, do it in DC comics, right? You'd have Shazam pop up at the end of black Adam and address him and black Adam saying, get the hell out. You'd have Shazam nearly lose at the end of Shazam's movie. Mm -hmm. Then black Adam shows up. Helps him, as in how Black Adam only helps people, is, hey, they're messing with Earth, they're messing with whatever, mm-hmm. as in a thing that threatens his people directly, or yeah, him like directly. Condoc's in trouble. Condoc's in trouble if these people exist, or they're snip- they're they're pulling power from Condoc as well. So he mm-hmm. steps in, him and Shazam fight side by side, defeat the sisters, then he bounces. That sounds so much cooler to me than what we've got, <laughs> and I haven't even seen it yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, that does. Yeah. I'm on board with that. Like, I would love that. Even if he just popped up at the end, you know, threw some punches in there. It was like, you know, if they yeah. took over this city, they would have taken over the world and thus conduct. And that's why I had to be here. I'd be like, yes. Yeah. But they didn't. Yeah. They didn't do that. Um, It doesn't feel warranted having wonder woman in there. It, I mean, again, and it just completes the joke of the show, but there's yeah. no other purpose for it. Uh You know, there obviously is bad blood there. And uh, I don't know, I just feel like this really needs a reset. It's sad. It's really sad. You know, and like, I I felt bad for Zachary Levi. But now after seeing this rant that he's gone on online, it's just kind of cringy now. And I'm like, somebody get this guy away from social media for a little bit. Get him off the internet. Uh, He's not doing anything to help the movie. And it's crazy because when it hits HBO max for streaming, I think a lot of people are going to watch it. It's it's, it's a the fun only movie. time. I'll
0: watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're going to watch, it. you'll be like, it's
1: good, but it's not yeah. great,
0: but it's good. And he's venting. I, I get it. But the problem is you're talking to a megaphone right now and he's got to be frustrated. He's frustrated with, with, you know, with the rock. He's frustrated with DC and the state that it's in. There's this quasi problem that they've got, they've got to dealing with right now where it's like, Everything coming out right now feels, for people like myself, I'm not going to watch anything DC until 2025, because why would I bother? And mm. that's not fair, because a standalone, well, I mean, DC doesn't, it's their fault for doing this, but because the movies are forced to be connected so much, Wonder Woman pops up, they feel like they have to touch each other, and because now we know that there is no end to this thing, and they're not going to touch each other, they seem disjointed. And if it was a standalone like The Batman or The Joker, then I'd watch them for their own merit, but that's not what these movies are anymore.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah the Elseworld stuff seems to, yeah, like those are all safe. Those are all good because it's a yeah. different universe, different directors, all that stuff. Like that's, yeah, you can go there, you can enjoy it. You don't have to worry about the connectivity of these universes. I think Flash is still going to be... De- still going to be really really good because i mean if you have tom cruise say, like calling up the director saying this is amazing thank you for making this like it's probably going to be pretty good
0: bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah uh but it's just weird it it doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense uh and also when you have an actor that can go above an exec's head and say i want to i want this character in my movie or you know i want um yeah or just that it's it's not good leadership and you know, and I love the rock and that's awesome that he can do that and power to him and props to him. But also it's like, yeah, but you should, I think you missed what black Adam is and you missed kind of the point of certain characters. Like, you know, Batman is so awesome because of his rogues gallery, because of a Joker, like you want to, you want to eventually or get to the Joker because that's what everybody wants to see. Like everybody wants to see a Shazam fight black Adam. Like for me, of course, I was was never a Black Adam fan as much as I was a Shazam fan because I knew Shazam. He was in the uh, Justice League. He he had this, you know, he was this badass hero who had all this power like Superman, but he was really a kid in the inside. And I thought that was so cool. I want to see him fight his main villain, Black Adam. The fact that we didn't get there and they weren't even hinting at it by Shazam's second movie is so off base. It's like, it just, I feel like it misses the point completely. So, uh, yeah, I'm happy for the reset. Just put it that way.
0: You know, and, and, and you really brought up a good point there. Cause that's one of the reasons black, black Adam is so cool is because you take Superman's powers, which there's no, I mean, there's reason DC literally bought Shazam because he was too close to Superman. He has Superman's powers. Mm-hmm. Then you put him in a kid body. So you're like, Oh, he's innocent. And he's, you know, he's carefree and joyful. Then you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, well, now let's put a cynical old man in there that just wants power into those things. Like, it's the shift back and forth that makes those characters work so well with each other. And the part that bugs me, I like The Rock. I like him a lot. I used to like him in the 90s when he was a wrestler. I like him today when he's the world's most famous actor. But I'm kind of pissed because I'm like, dude, just because you like to be Black Adam so bad you think you look like him, doesn't mean you can change the character. He is Shazam's villain. The fact that you got your own standalone movie was cool, but it's not normal. And yeah, like, don't, don't, the, the, when you run into Superman, when Black Adam runs into Superman, it's after Shazam. Like, it's so deep into the roster that he does that. And then it's this cool thing. And then he and Shazam team up to take out Black Adam in that story. So you have to have Shazam a thing, you know? So it's so frustrating that The Rock almost feels like he could just change his character so that he's a star all the time. And it takes me back to like the Fast and the Furious stories where mm-hmm. he did that shit on set and I took his side right away. Cause I'm like, yeah, he's the yeah. rock. I don't believe these other guys. And now I'm yep. like, Oh, maybe I should. <laughs> you know? yeah.
1: I, is, yeah. That's exactly what I thought of after all this drama came out. I was like, oh, okay, makes sense. Why, you know, there's drama at the fast and furious. And again, I like the rock. I have, you know, I this is just us speculating here. Don't of know what to be true, but it seems like, yeah, it, it seems like maybe he isn't as easy to work with as he paints it to be. So mm-hmm. that is kind of interesting to me, too. Um, and, and, you know, say what you want about Marvel and phase four or whatever. But the first phases one through three, they're pretty close to the characters. You know, like they they're pr- very close to the character's origin and they try to stay true to it. I think that was such a good move as Black Adam is a new character. Give us the true origin, because even yeah. if Black Adam was a massive success, people still want you to fight Shazam. They don't want you yeah. to skip to Superman right away. They want you to go to Shazam. Like that's your main nemesis. So it just seems so weird. Uh, I, I, yeah, again, <laughs> James Gunn couldn't get in here fast enough and start producing some movies and shows because uh, I, I have a lot of faith in him, Um, you know, based on his experience at Marvel and what he's already done at DC.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, his suicide squad. So freaking cool. I couldn't believe it. I didn't think anybody could save that. Also, it's one of my favorites. That this has yeah. ever done. <laughs>
1: so. Dude, uh, maybe this is a hot take. Did not even mind the first Suicide Squad, that David Ayers what Hot take? I didn't. I,
0: my only problem is I love Diablo so much in that movie. Yeah. It pissed me off that he got done dirty. <laughs> I was like, son of a bitch, make a movie about him. He's so cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm blanking on Will Smith's character's name right now, but um, Deadshot. Like Deadshot?
0: Yeah, I think it yeah, is.
1: Yeah, I liked him too. They, they had a pretty tight comic book design, and boom, mm-hmm. introduction of uh, Margot Robbie's. Harley Quinn was so spot. Like there was a lot of good things in that movie. It's like release it, release the air cut because I want to see what he had planned for it.
0: Birds of prey is good too, guys. Have you seen birds of prey before? Yes. It's a good movie.
1: I don't know why nobody
0: knows about it anymore.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, stellar cast, like a cool story, very much. Like you could see, the Harley Quinn animated series got inspiration from this movie, fully totally. because yeah. it's all about Harley Quinn breaking up with the Joker and what she does after that. It's like yeah. it was a good movie; I liked it.
0: Her her uh, fight scene in that is one of the best fight scenes I've seen in any of DC movies. It is so she is such a badass fight fighter in that movie. It's cool yeah and uses uh, yeah. the big hammer
1: like from the comic yeah. i mean
0: it was like comic <laughs> accurate and fun and badasses it's good yeah it's got a scott pilgrim feel to it too so if you guys are like the scott pilgrim's editing uh mm. it's the same kind of editing on that and i, I love that shit so you might, might be seeing that i challenge pretty soon guys there you go <laughs> <laughs> exactly they're cross promotion all right we're stepping
3: in now with kyle kyle how are you doing today fantastic uh had an awesome weekend you know we had resident evil 4 remake diablo 4 and john wick 4 which i haven't seen yet but i'm probably gonna see in the next day or two
0: yeah i I was supposed to fit in john wick 4's uh, review this week didn't have a chance i was like oh my god so many (laughs) cool things going on right now so so many it's crazy that review is coming next week but uh it looks amazing you were playing resident evil 4 and diablo 4 you want to give us a review for these
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we'll start with Diablo 4, because I think that's the bigger anticipated release. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I went to open beta this weekend. The week before, it had a closed beta, which I didn't get an invite for. But it worked out pretty well, because my main in Diablo is Necromancer. That's why i played since Diablo 2. And yeah, it released with the open beta. I, I was really excited to see what was different about the class, and can't wait to see how it turns out in endgame in the final release
0: necromancer seems to be the fan favorite everybody's really loving that necromancer class what are some of the highlights for it
3: well for me i don't necessarily play a lot of characters with you know a minion based combat like Mm -hmm. in world of warcraft play hunter i use beasts sometimes for beast mastery otherwise a marksman Mm -hmm. and with diablo 4 i just get that urge like to control dead minions and use them to kill all the demons and stuff and it yeah. kind of, it's like a different kind of fantasy for me
0: <laughs> yeah that's a big one though i mean i, I that's what i played in diablo 3 is a witch doctor which was a minion base the minion based oh, class good. and um when the necromancers came out and it was just like oh man these things are just so op you see them like throwing everything out of the map You're like oh my goodness i can't keep with these guys um what are some of the highlights from diablo 3 what are some of the big upgrades
3: yeah, funnily enough, uh, I never played Diablo 3 until just oh, wow. this last week. I actually blitzed through it. <laughs> I played Necromancer. Wow. I got through all five acts and Reaper of Souls within like four days. And uh, wow, that was a journey because I was getting that ready before Diablo 4 beta and Resident Evil 4 coming out. It's just a lot of gaming in the past week. Like,
0: <laughs> That's, oh my God, what a journey. <laughs> I don't know how you do props. That is a lot of game to play. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a fun game. And So you played Necromancer, you're saying?
3: Yeah, I've played that since Diablo 2 when I played with yeah. Kevin way back when. And with Diablo 3, I never experienced it before. So I mm-hmm. took it upon myself to, you know, prepare for the open beta for Diablo 4 by playing it. And it was okay. Like I I felt like there was a lot of changes with Diablo 3 I didn't like. Yeah. In particular with, like, the aesthetics of the game. And for me, I think that's... One of the most exciting things about Diablo Four is it's kind of adhering back to those roots of Diablo One and Two, how it looked. Like it's a much darker, visceral game than Diablo Three was.
0: Yeah, they are definitely leaning in on Diablo Two. It feels like I played a little bit of the um, druid back at BlizzCon, and uh, it just felt like almost like you're crowded and and shrouded in shade the entire time, and I really liked it. Uh, What? How are you liking the MMO aspects of it? Because I've heard a lot of people say like. Look, this game's not an MMO, but it sure feels like an MMO. How are you liking that?
3: Uh, Good and bad. I mean, of course, when you're in one of the main cities, you see players around you, and you can emote with them and openly type and chat with them. But there doesn't seem to be a lot of instances where you're grouping up naturally in the open world, which Mm -hmm. is really one of the best aspects of Diablo 4, is that open worldness. You don't really have that mm-hmm. as much in the older games. Is the
0: story kind of on a like a level design path or is it all open world, like even for questing?
3: Even for questing, yeah. It's like completely open. Oh, wow. Like uh, dungeons still have a loading screen where you're teleported to the dungeon. Otherwise, like in the open world itself, it's huge. Like it's sprawling. It's fantastic. I think it's easily going to be the biggest game release of this year because of that. <laughs>
0: You just sold the games, because you know how I am. My man, I love those open world games. You just sold this game like tenfold to me already. And I'm already going to be buying it for sure, but dang, that's such a selling point. Um, what are some of the other things you want to make sure to point out for this game?
3: Yeah, uh, combat feels really good. Mm-hmm. With Diablo 3, I'm going to go back to that a lot, because it's still fresh in my memory. Yeah, I'm, I'm a casual Diablo fan, so I, you know, I just kill the things, I get the loot, I move on. That's how I play. I don't... You know, necessarily engage in end game content. But going from Diablo 3's fast paced combat to Diablo 4's more slow tactical approach, like it really makes things a lot different as a player. Because yeah. you have to be more aware of the enemies you're fighting against and how to approach them.
0: Yeah, I, I went hard once, one season. I went like end game pushing. It ain't, oh boy, it's just not worth the grind. <laughs> the grind was tough. And so, um, I'm looking forward to at least to being an open world game, but I do like the, the better combat. Um, how much of the story did you get in the beta?
3: Uh, so the max level was 25. That's what I hit mm-hmm. as the character. And you're strictly tied to act one. You don't go any further than that. Oh, okay. And from what I saw, like, as you're going into all these different areas, you gotta keep in mind, like there's dungeons that are used for the big story missions. But mm-hmm. even as you're questing in the open world, there's instances of cutscenes taking place. And that oh, wow. really adds to the story and flushes out the world. That's what I appreciate the most about this game, is the the presentation of it. Like you really feel mm-hmm. like you're living and breathing in this world. It's kind of hard to compare to Diablo 3, where you felt like you were going through a theme park. But with Diablo 4. It's not 4, very
0: Diablo at all. Yeah.
3: Right. With Diablo 4, you actually feel like you're. You know, in the mud, in the guts, in the blood, and killing everything around you, and it's really visceral. And for me, as a Diablo fan, that's what I wanted the most out of this game because yeah. Diablo One is my particular favorite for that reason.
0: Hmm. What are uh, have you touched any of the classes? Uh, any of the classes?
3: No, I I just stuck with Necromancer because again, I was also hot, hotly anticipating Resident Evil Four remake. Yeah. So once I got so, max level in the beta on Saturday, I'm like, okay, it's go time. As Luis would Saturday. say, it's, it's game time. Holy
0: cow. So did you start Resident Evil on just Sunday?
3: No, no, no. Uh, okay. I actually, Is, I got it on Steam and okay. it released Thursday night. So I did play a bit of that before indulging in the Diablo 4 beta on Friday and Saturday. Okay. Let's just
0: gears. Let's start talking about Resident Evil. Now you already have beaten this game, correct?
3: I just did, like maybe two or three hours before this recording, so That's I'm fresh. Crazy. Yep. <laughs> how many How many hours do you think this game is? How many hours did you oh, put in this man. game? Oh uh, man, I was actually really impressed with how much gameplay there was. Like compared okay. to the original, yeah. if you you know if you're a first time player, maybe 14 hours for the original edition. Hmm. This remake lasted me a good 20 hours. Like, it's humongous. And even despite some cuts here and there, they fleshed out other areas of the game, like the castle and the village. And, like, they really opened it up. Like, it's fantastic how they adapted Resident Evil 4 to the modern era. By fleshing them out, are they just more explorable
0: or did they add any story in those areas? Um, I think...
3: How should I put this? They kind of made these strategic decisions to emphasize the big action points. And by what, uh, what I mean by that, pardon me, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting all flustered. Uh, Resident Evil 4 has these areas that are like big action set pieces, but it also has these moments of quiet horror. And mm-hmm. they kind of go in between a lot of times as you're traversing the areas. But Resident Evil 4 was a very straightforward linear game. And, They actually remade Resident Evil 4 into a more open game, like with its map layout and level design, and it loops back around on itself a lot. It's really cool. It almost
0: sounds like Resident Evil Remake is almost a new game, just retelling the story of Resident Evil 4.
3: I would say, yeah, because you do have it now in the uh, RE engine. That's what Capcom Mm -hmm. has been using for all the Resident Evil games. I think following Seven's popularity. popularity. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, with Resident Evil 4 remake, they definitely put a lot of heart and soul into it. It's okay. just an incredible game. Like the gameplay itself huh. speaks bounds about how fun it is. That's cool. <clears throat> okay, so <laughs> I'm
0: just so excited. Um I didn't this is I didn't think I was gonna play Resident Evil games, but this sounds I like again open world aspects, stuff like that. Uh is this a good game for a new Resident Evil fan to or Possibly Resident Evil um, fan to jump in on.
3: I mean, yeah. I, I, you're going to get the best of both aspects of Resident Evil.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, you have the action side and you got the horror side and you get the best of both worlds in this one game. The gameplay in particular, it, it's not an easy game. So you got to really be okay. aware of everything happening around you. Like yeah. for me as a veteran player, this was really exciting to me. Like I had to constantly <laughs> rethink my expectations and what reality was when I walked into new rooms and new combat situations. It was really exciting. Do you feel like the
0: modern games, because it's village, right? Is like the one that broke it up into two halves. Um, you mean Resident Evil seven and eight, right? I'm sorry. I keep saying village. Yeah. But seven. Yeah.
3: Correct. Yeah. They went with a more first person vibe, but that was the first instance of where they utilized the the new RE engine. Mm hmm. And they incorporated that as well with Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes. And now 4 is also following in line.
0: So is the new remakes first-person, or are they
3: like the old games? Uh, These follow more along. uh, Actually, they're kind of like a blend between the two. Because you do have the -the over-the-shoulder perspective, which 4 Mm -hmm. first introduced in 2005. But it also takes the older aspects of the original trilogy with like puzzles and item resource management. And kind of blends them together perfectly.
0: Oh, wow. I mean, they really remade this game. I keep thinking it's just going to be the Resident Evil game, but they added some more stuff to it. But no, like, I mean, if they're adding puzzles, I know they added different functions and abilities, too, to your character, right? Leon can, like, parry now or something like that, if I'm not mistaken?
3: Yeah, that's one of the new features. Right? It's astounding how they updated the combat in the game. Like, I thought Resident Evil Force combat was perfect, but they actually stepped it up to a whole other level and the game is incredible to behold as a player like you have so many options available to you with melee and different guns you can use as well as the environment as well like it's really fascinating to see how many options are available to the player
0: do you think that non residential fans are going to appreciate this game as much as residential fans no <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're That's... going to
3: see the differences i mean with uh, veteran players, they're going to love this game. They're going to buy a day okay. one. They're going to support it, like myself mm-hmm. and my brother as well, Josh, who we, we did a level up together on the Classic Edition. I'm yes. looking forward to revisiting this remake with him and comparing mm-hmm. the differences and you know what we got fulfillment out of. But with casual players like yourself or people who have never dipped their toes in survival horror, mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to recommend because of the Barrier of entry, so to speak, with the gameplay, because it it demands a lot from you. Like there's a lot of stressful situations you're going to find yourself in within Remake 4 and other Resident Evil games as well. If you're for that as a player, then it's your bread and butter. Like you're going to love it. But if you're not so keen on that, if you don't like being scared or stressed while playing a game, I can't recommend it.
0: Sometimes I am. I, Alien Isolation was too much. <laughs> that game did. That game was too much for me. But I love the Bioshocks. Uh, okay, there so there you go. Because hearing your review for it, I was like, "Oh wait a minute! This sounds like a super fan's super fan game."
3: You know, <laughs> so, I'm trying to you know consider all perspectives. Like, yeah, not everybody is going to be a diehard Resident Evil fan playing this game, and that's totally fine. The yeah. game though standalone like it's an incredible modern video game like you get a lot of value for your money Mm -hmm. and if you like putting yourself in challenging positions like this is this is easily a game i'd recommend uh, even for game of the year so
0: i want to make sure to stop real quick and pause and let everybody remind everybody the level up where they break down resident evil is both on this feed that you're listening to now but there's a brand new level up feed where you guys can go and you'll just get the level up, so you make sure you don't miss those. Uh, you have this one, and there's going to be much more to come. We're already we're talking about a live one coming up, I'm super excited about. Don't miss that out, guys. Kyle does such a great job of those. You guys know that. You hear him talk, he's well-informed. So, um, Okay. Is there anything else that we need to know about Resident Evil 4 before moving forward?
3: It exceeded my expectations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's easily a game-of-the-year contender at this point. Holy cow, for a remake. Yep. Totally, yep. I, I think that a good uh, year on our hands. <laughs> I mean, with Dead Space remake, the Metroid Prime remaster, tri- uh, Switch version, and then with yep. this, it's like, wow, this is a huge year already for remakes and remasters, and we haven't even gotten into the big releases yet. Like Star Wars Jedi is out next month. Then we got yeah. Zelda after it, and Starfield later in the year. Like, there's a Diablo lot. Diablo Four, <laughs> yeah, Diablo Four, exactly, and. It just goes Uh on and on. This is going to be a huge year.
0: We always joke around like, oh, is it going to be a 2018? And then 2022 was that good with the Elder Scrolls and Horizon and God of War. But now we're like, 2023 might be beating it. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) impressive. We're in in good times right now. Insanely Um, good times. Maybe we should get a category at Game Awards that's like Best Remix. That way we can share the
3: love even more. I think that's going to happen this year. There's been some circling around about the issue and... Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel like there should be a category simply for the fact that there's been so many stellar releases that are remakes or remasters.
0: And it might encourage it, too. I mean, I'm, I'm not hating remakes, especially when they're done as well as Resident Evil 4. They have actually added to the game more than it had before. That, that's totally worth it. its uh, money, then. All right, anything else you want to get done or anything you want to get out on Resident Evil 4 or Diablo 4 before we head out?
3: Um, Resident Evil 4 Remake, I think, is a game... If you have any interest in, like even a little bit, you should definitely pick it up and try it out just to see how you as a player react to all these Ganados swarming you in the village. Like just play (laughs) that part alone. If you can't get past that part and you don't like it, then that's fine. If you love it, you're going to have a hell of a good time.
0: There you go. All right, guys, that's Resident Evil 4, Diablo 4. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, we're going to move on back to the regular podcast. We're going to hear Thomas talk about some stuff. And uh, yeah, these are definitely must purchases. I I know for Diablo 4, you guys will watch me streaming that for sure once that comes up full release. All right, let's move on to the next part. Uh, As for the network news, guys, we're closing out now. So network news, we have a brand new level up. Again, it's run by Kyle now. With Resident Evil 4 Remake just releasing, he and his brother Josh, joined by Josh, are covering Resident Evil the original and how impactful it was on the industry and why the story stuck around so long. We have a brand new interview. It's the very first interview done by Diana from the Disney Moms Gone Wrong. It's on the Disney uh, Moms Gone Wrong feed now. It'll be joining the Geek Freaks feed coming this week. Uh, There's a brand new podcast coming out soon. It's going to be releasing April 14th. I'm here to announce the name. Who's Got Next? And it's a brand new podcast about competitive gaming amongst couch co-op games. So it's done by Thomas, not Thomas, sorry. It's done <laughs> by Tyler, who, who used to be one of the hosts of uh, round three, which was all about competitive gaming on the esports scene. This is about how competitive games have evolved over the years. And these are the ones that are more casual, your couch co-op ones. And lastly, I want to make sure to remind you guys, Sacramento Grand Prix, April 15th. We're hosting it over at the West Sacramento uh, convention for um, from Northern California video game developers. Come hang out with us. We're going to be doing all kinds of things that day. But the Grand Prix is going to be dope. And I actually just ordered the medals for a second and third. You guys can win a medal and show it off for all your friends. And that's it for us. Uh, what recommendations do you have for this week?
1: Oh, uh, watch The Mandalorian. It's yeah, not yeah. getting a lot of viewership, um, apparently, compared to other seasons. But it's really good. I'm really, really liking yeah. this season. So if you've not watched The Mandalorian, like, go check it out. You have like four episodes to binge.
0: Yeah. It, it's really good. and it. I think it can't. It's not necessarily the best season, but I definitely think it's gonna pay off. It's building up a bigger story than the other two seasons have, so right. I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we're gonna have one very famous admiral joining up pretty soon. I'm pretty excited to see him pop up on screen. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. My uh, my recommendation, you guys, is a book called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels: The Triumph, Tribulant, and Sorry, the Triumph, Tribulant <laughs> Stories ah, Behind How Video Games Are Made. Sorry, I totally botched that name. It's by Jason Schreer, who's an author we use a lot. He works for uh, Bloomberg now. He used to work for Kotaku back in the day. This is a story about some of the crunch times and hardest developments over some of your most famous uh, favorite games. Uh, please check that out, guys. It's over on Amazon for like thirteen bucks, but you can get it used. And this is something you guys should remember: you can buy used games on or used books on Amazon, and the money goes to the used bookstores that are selling on Amazon um, for three bucks and eighty-six cents. Like it's so cheap right now. And that's Blood, Sweat, and Pixel's excellent book, Jason Schreer. He's one of our favorite writers. Very cool. That is it for us today, guys. Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.